Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. There's 11 grim faces staring down anxiously at the floor. All attention is focused on the man who is enthroned in front of them. They are huddled, these 11 are, before one of the most powerful rulers in the world. One who stands only behind Pharaoh in Egypt, and he has the authority to execute them. He is dressed in fashion that would be fitting for one who had the position that he had. He is the prime minister of Egypt. He looks down on these humble Jewish herdsmen as they stoop before him. He has had a long history with these men. It is, it is a history of pain. It is a history of suffering and rejection. And the memories are vividly etched into his mind. They had wronged him, this prime minister in the past, greatly. They had done great damage to him from a human perspective. And now the tables are turned and, and he has the power and the authority and the ability to enact severe retribution against them. They are, in fact, his brothers who, he had, be, who had betrayed him. And the prime minister of Egypt is none other than Joseph, the one that had been betrayed. This morning, I know this is a very well-known story. It's one that you've probably heard many times. And we're going to continue this morning in our series of Today and Tomorrow. We're going to talk this morning of the story of Joseph, the story of a young man who was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers, who was then sold again to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's captains, who was then lied about for having attempted to sleep with his master's wife, who was then thrown into prison, and the story continues on. Today we're going to continue the series of today and tomorrow discussing something that many of us have faced and we will face and will continue to face. And the reality is, is of what we talked about last week, that our decisions affect other people. But as we look at our own person and we look just individually this morning and you look at yourself, your decisions affect other people. And we talked about that last week. But let's now look at this in a little bit different light because the decisions of others affect us. Many times we've been, we've sat in a situation or we've been somewhere where somebody else's decision greatly affects who I am and how I am to react and how I am to, to respond to something that had nothing to do with me to begin with. I think of the day and age in which we live of children growing up with divorce in their home and those kids had nothing to do with it. They can't help the fact that mom and dad separated and that the life that they live Maybe a child, maybe you in this room sit and you've, you've grown up and maybe there's been abuse in your home of some way, shape, or form and you did not accept, you did not ask for that, you did not do anything to cause those things, but yet nonetheless there was a decision that somebody else made and it gravely, gravely has affected your life. What we're going to talk about a little bit this morning is how then do I deal with that? And I don't think, and I, and, and I know that I'm not going to give you the, the one, two, three answer of when I do these things, all of these things are going to go away and I'm going to live this great life and everything's going to be hunky-dory and perfect. That's not really this morning. 
There's probably a million different passages that we could go into the scripture and do different things and really hone in on some, some different things. But we're going to talk about the story of Joseph this morning. Joseph did a number of different things over the course of a couple of years that, as we stated already, he was sold into slavery, then he was sold again, and then they had other things that took place in his life. But as we look into this morning, and I'm going to, like I said just a few moments ago, we're going to be similar in what was last week was almost a history lesson. I'm going to take us, I'm going to start at the very end this morning. I'm going to start at the end of Genesis and go to, from Genesis 50, and then we're going to start back and we're going to go through some of the story of Joseph, and then we're going to wrap it all together and look at how you and I, every single day, though decisions are made that affect us in a, maybe a negative tone, in a negative light, how do I then respond? And I believe that Joseph did a few things. Though reading the story of Joseph, you don't read a lot that Joseph ever said. But I believe Joseph did and and reacted and acted a few ways that give us a, a great illustration of how each and every one of us, though things may happen negatively to us, we can make the right decision and continue to go on and serve the Lord with all of our hearts. So if we continue in that story that I just started just a moment ago, when the silence is broken, it turns out that it's not anger. It's not hostility, it's not threats, it's not statements of harsh punishment. It is rather the sound of weeping, of crying. One by one as they lift their eyes and look at Joseph, he looks back. And he looks back with a forgiving smile, tears stumbling or trembling down his face. His tears prove to be contagious and they all begin to weep. If you would this morning, go with me to Genesis chapter number 50, which is where we will start. And we'll be skipping, going back to to chapter 37, and then we'll finish up again right back here at chapter number 50 this morning. In Genesis chapter number 50, we'll start in verse number 15. They're on the screens as well. And it says this in verse number 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that there was, their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And so they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses of thy brethren, and their sin, for they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of thy servant, of the servants of the of God, of the God, sorry, of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly 
unto them. Let's pray this morning. Father, I come to you this morning and I thank you again for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to to fellowship with one another, to worship you through song and through the word of God and through uh, the things that we will do today. God, this morning as we come to a, a time that, Lord, I believe each of us have faced and will continue to face is that other people's decisions can hurt us, can harm us. But God, each decision that is made, you already know. God, for your sovereign, God, I pray this morning that we would grow, that we would learn, and that we would be able to to leave today different than when we came. God, if there is one that doesn't know you this morning, they would come to know you today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So here we, we see we in this passage of Scripture that Joseph's father has now passed, and we come to this place, and, and we're going to go backwards, if you will, with me to chapter number 37. And we're going to go through the story a little bit of what Joseph went through and who Joseph was and the things that he faced. And, and I'm going to do this as, as, as quickly as I can. And I know that inside of this, these chapters, there's a lot, a lot of, I mean, we could spend weeks and months in this passage of Scripture. And so I understand that. But we're going to get into this, this story this morning and, and go through this and, and deal with what I believe, again, is one of the hardest things that, that believers have to deal with, and that is when somebody does something to you, how then do you respond in that? I believe there's people today that go that no longer attend church because of something that somebody in the church did to them. There's people that sit in churches today right now that are hurt because of somebody that's sitting beside them or somebody that's in the church that hurt them and they sit and they no longer serve or they no longer do things. Not because God did anything, not because, but because somebody made a decision that affected them. I believe we have families that are broken because boys and girls, now young men and young women, have never dealt with the things that they dealt with as children And they get married and they take that hurt and they take that pain and they take that anger and they take that right into their marriage which splits their marriage and now we have the same problem over and over again. A lot of which can be solved. A lot of which we don't have to do. And so this morning we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, a man by the name of Joseph, one of which most everyone in here would know. I'm going to start with this. Unless we see the big picture of what God is doing through the difficulties of life, the suffering, the pain, the iniquities, the injustices of life, we will miss the profound and foundational truth that God is using all of it for our ultimate good and for His glory. The big picture that Joseph saw was the reality that though they had mistreated him, it was in the purpose of God. I believe as we go through this morning, and as I've challenged, and I've said this basic statement a number of different times in different sermons, if we understand, and if our goal is to honor God, and to give our lives to God, and to to trust Him with our lives, as things happen to us, we must understand then also, that though it's happened, and though we don't like it, it's for God's purpose, it's for God's end game, so to speak. 
But that starts from the beginning. As a believer, as us, as those we sit in this room this morning and we would say, well, yes, I love Jesus. And then on the, the same exact sentence, we would curse God because something poor happened in our lives. If we would recognize that there are going to be things that happen in our lives that are not good, but our goal and our, 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 our whole purpose of life is to trust Him and to love Him and to glorify Him, then in those times that are trying and that are hard, we would be able to say, okay, God, hey, I, I may not like it, but how we understand it makes it, and how we go through it makes it different when we understand that, hey, God's, at the end of the game, I know what, we sang the song about it. It is well with my soul. Though all of the things that happen in that song, it talks about sin, though Satan should buffet, though all of these different things, hey, at the end of the deal, at the end of life, at the end of time, here's what I know. The trumpet will sound, and I will be forever eternally with Him in glory. I don't know where you grew up or how you grew up, but there was never a time that anybody ever told me, hey, when you became a Christian, your life is going to be perfect, you're going to be rich, you're going to have perfect kids, you're going to have a perfect household, and everything is going to be hunky-dory and perfect. I know that there's people out there that preach that garbage, but that's not real. The fact is, there's going to be things that come up. And so, unless we see the big picture of what God is doing through those difficulties of life, it makes it harder to go through it. The bottom line, the Lord used Joseph's suffering and his subsequent circumstances to accomplish his own sovereign purposes. Think about the far bigger picture of what God was able to accomplish. God had a plan for the world. Just think of this. God had a plan for the world. And in order to fulfill the plan for the world, He had a plan for the nation of Israel. And in order to fulfill the plan for the nation of Israel, He had a plan for Joseph. And it all tied together. The plan for His chosen people included their survival. Their survival during a seven-year famine. Their survival during that time where there was no food. That brought them to Egypt where there was plenty of food. And when they arrived in Egypt, because of the greatness of Joseph, because of him continually being obedient, because of what Joseph did, they were given a land of their own. Not just any land, they were given the best land. And over the next four centuries, that small group of people, that small family, turned into a nation that would witness to the glory of God. It was a part of God's plan to fulfill His covenant promise of a seed and salvation that would extend to the entire earth. Think about this, guys. Guys, church, peoples. If the nation of Israel had famined and everybody dies, where does Jesus come from? Jesus was born of the Jew which was protected because Joseph decided to do right in the midst of all kinds of things that were done wrong to him. And we could go on and on and on, and we can go through those things, and I'm, I'm not going to get deep into that, but it's, it's why he chose a life, he chose a path. 
This morning there's going to be, I'm going to give you three different topics or, or things that took place with Joseph, and then I'm going to give you a couple very quick points. I guess the introduction is far longer than the, the sermon, I guess you could say. The first one is the great family struggle. Joseph is 17 years of age. He's pasturing the flock with his brothers while yet still a youth. In Genesis 37, verses 2 through 4, it says all of those things. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and, la- and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that, their father loved him more than all his brethren. They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Joseph had a great family struggle. And I'll just share with you this. It doesn't just start in that passage of Scripture. We're going to have to go back, and we're not going through every little detail of all of these things, but he was given a robe, a robe that spoke of favoritism. It was a robe that was symbolic of of a family favoritism. It was one that... That to have one, think about this, it is one thing to have one out of the twelve as a favorite. I know there's teachers in here. I had taught, and, and everyone's always, you know, you've got your favorite student you're not supposed to have, or you, you're not, how about this, you have parents in here. It's one thing when everybody else knows who the favorite is. It's another thing for that person to be like, hey, I'm going to give you something special, and you're going to wear this every day so that everybody knows how special you are. That kind of stinks. I don't, Joseph never was like, hey, Dad, <laughs> I know that you think I'm great. I really would like a really cool coat. But here's Joseph given this coat. That's a big problem because there's others in the family. <laughs> so let's go through this. Ten brothers who came before him were born to another woman. So they were all half-brothers. They were not born through his mother, Rachel, who had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin, of which she died giving birth to Benjamin. So Joseph grows up as his father's favorite son because if you really go through it and study it, Rachel was his favorite wife. And uh, again, we go through these things. I think, I think uh, Jacob or Israel has a major problem with favoritism. But anyway, the conflict ran deep. His father Jacob tricked his own father Isaac to cheat his brother Esau out of the family birthrights. There was a bad history in the family about their, within the relationships. So we see here, Rachel was the, the father, the mother, and there was a, a war between Rachel and, and at that time Leah, and so we see there's a war even there between who would have the first children and who is this and that, and we go, again, I'm, I'm just kind of really skimming through all these things, but things didn't get easier for the young man after his mother passed. Because it was at that point then the brothers began to unleash even more towards him. Resentment. So in chapter 37, Joseph's brothers were full of hate and full of rage. The coat was given. There was complete anger and complete hatred. Not to make things better, Joseph even had a few dreams. And Joseph thought, and again, this is, this is one of those things that we can kind of look at and think about. And maybe you can go home and you can study this a little bit on your own. But Joseph had some dreams You already know that everybody hates you. 
you already know that you're the favorite, and then you're like, hey, guess what, guys? I had a dream, and you're all going to bow to me. <laughs> that helps the circumstance a whole lot. But at any rate, Joseph has some dreams, and he, he even goes, and that's in uh, 37, and starting in verse number 6, and I'm not going to go through that this morning, but, but Joseph had those dreams. We come to a place where we'll see the next passage of Scripture here, but the brothers went out. They left to go tend the flock and do the things that they were supposed to be doing. And I don't know, and again, it, in study, I don't know if, if uh, his dad, they had been gone too long and he just hadn't heard. I don't know if he was spying on them. There's different commentaries, write different things. But nonetheless, Jacob calls Joseph, or Israel calls Joseph, and he says, hey, I need you to go. I need you to go check on your brothers. And Joseph obeys. Genesis 37 and 13, it says, And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. So as we get through this, we're, we're kind of, again, I'm flying through this story, and, but we, we come through this, and, and Joseph goes out, and his brothers see him out in the distance, and they kind of gather together, and okay, how are we going to get rid of this punk? We don't like him, we hate him, we've got to get rid of Joseph. And so here, they, they, Joseph comes to him, and hey, brothers, how are we doing? And whatever, I don't know what that conversation was, and his brothers had, had found a pit, they take him, and they begin to throw him in a pit. These were pits that were shaped like a bottle. They had a narrow neck big enough for a bucket to go down. And the pit was much bigger than that at the bottom. The walls of the neck of the pit would be slick uh, masonry. There would be no way to come up and get out. He would be in that dry well at the bottom, scared, confused, frightened. And they take Joseph and they put him in this pit. And after they put him in the pit, they went and had lunch. (laughs) That's what we all do, right? So they take their brother and they throw him in the pit. They go and they eat. And through their conversation, they see some other guys coming and they're like, hey, you know what? We might as well get something out of this kid. Let's sell him. So they find these guys coming and the Ishmaelites that are coming and they, they, they approach him and they sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And the story continues. They go. They then have to get him out of the pit. They grab him out. They take him to these people, these men, and they they sell him. And I guess maybe Joseph at this point, and it doesn't say a lot as you continue to read through uh, this passage of Scripture moving into uh, chapters into forty. There's different things that were stated that Joseph was crying out for his life and Joseph was pleading and Joseph was doing these things, but I don't know what was going through Joseph's mind. Hey, all I did was obey dad. He asked me to come do this. I don't know what I've done. I've not done anything wrong. I simply obeyed what my father asked me to do. And here I am. I find myself in the hands of the Ishmaelites. I find myself now a a slave. And things become worse as 
he must have, I don't know how well he thought or how much he thought of himself at that point, but not only do you get sold, but then you get sold to somebody else because they didn't think anything of you. So we move on from the, the little bit of a, the family that betrayed him to a false accusation. I don't know about you, but if there's one thing that bothers me is when people falsely accuse me of doing something that I did not do or saying something that I did not say or or doing something along those lines. It's just something that it kind of eats at you because you you sit and you go, well, I I didn't do that. And there's really oftentimes not much that you can do about it. You just you either sit and take it and trust that your character will find itself out. But but a lot of times you just. I don't know. And so we come a part of Joseph, and Joseph was, was now uh, sent, and he was sold into to the, to Potiphar's uh, household, and, and Potiphar was, was one of the, uh, the captains in, in the Pharaoh's court. And so we come here, and we go to chapter number 39, and we'll start at the, the beginning of chapter 39. It says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of, or bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had bought, brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed he or blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hands. And he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. So we come here and, and Joseph, though he was just a slave, he comes to Potiphar and Potiphar recognizes and finds and sees that Joseph has the hand of God all over his life and, and he trusts him and he says, here, you know what? Take all of my house. Everything is now in your hands. It even says the only thing that he knew he had was food every day. He knew nothing of his house. And Joseph is just being obedient. Joseph is doing what he's supposed to be doing. And we come down and Potiphar's wife begins to say, hey, lie with me. Hey, come and be with me. No one will ever know whatever that conversation was. But Potiphar's wife just kept hitting on Joseph. He must have been a good looking young man. I don't know. But he kept hitting on Joseph. And Joseph, in verse number 9 of chapter 39, says, There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, or but you, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? And here's what I want to, I want you to remember this phrase. How then can I do this great wickedness? He didn't say and sin against Potiphar. He says and sin against God. Again, we'll hit on this in the points at the very end. But Joseph chose to be obedient to God. 
And so finally it comes down day after day after day of Potiphar's wife just, hey, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me. And she keeps doing this thing. And finally she knows that Joseph is the only one in the house. And she goes and she approaches Joseph. And Joseph says, I'm out of here and leaves his garment and, and flees. And in verse number 20 through 22, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord, again, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did, there he was the doer of it. So again, Joseph, he got himself in trouble, though he did nothing. He's now facing uh, being put in, he was put in in prison under Pharaoh's guard. And so now Joseph is there for, for having done something that he never did with Potiphar's wife. Because he fled and he did the right thing. I'll say this and just kind of passing through, getting through this, but it says a whole lot about Potiphar's wife. That was an executable offense. Joseph should have been executed and hung. But nothing happened to him other than being put into prison. It says a whole lot about who she was that I would assume that that's not the first time that that situation took place. He was punished by put in prison, but he was put in prison and then he was put and elevated over all of those prisoners in the prison. Joseph is bound again. He was now a captive in prison. And he must have wondered yet again why all of these things are happening. Why? And so we go from from the situation of his family and being thrown into prison or thrown into a a, a pit and then to being sold into slavery. And then he was sold to Potiphar's family and he was living the life. He was doing great. He was doing all of these things. You imagine he had all of Potiphar's house and now all of a sudden he's, he's finding himself in prison. And now we see that he comes to a place and he, I guess, I don't know if you would call him a friend, but somebody that had just forgotten him. And again, quickly going through the story, all throughout, the Lord was with him. He had favor of God in everything that he did. With each position, which he, with each situation, God was in and all on him. So, Joseph is in prison. He oversees all of the, those that are in there, all the prisoners. And we've got two prisoners that come in, the butler and the chef. They're now in prison. And for sake of time, they both have dreams. They go to Joseph, and Joseph eventually interprets those dreams. And, and the butler was restored for his wrongdoing, and also uh, as, as, just as Joseph had interpreted. However, the baker was hung as was interpreted. And all that he did, he kind of went to the butler and he said, hey, when you go back and you're restored, please, please, please do me this favor. Remember me. Tell Pharaoh that I, I did this. Let him know that a couple years later, this guy had been restored and things were going as they were and Joseph's still in prison. Joseph's still being punished for things that he never did. Then we come to a point in the story, and we're getting closer to the points, I promise. We're coming to, and, and Pharaoh now has a dream. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to kind of read it through. 
He's standing by the Nile, and the Nile comes, seven cows sleek and fat and grazing in the, in the March grass. And behold, seven other cows come up after, after them from the Nile, ugly and, and gaunt, and they stood by each other, by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and the gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time, and behold, seven years of grain came upon a single stalk plump and good, and behold, seven years thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So as we kind of come through, and we've now come through some of these things, and Pharaoh is having this dream, and we get to verse number 8 of chapter number 41, and it says this, and it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, this is Pharaoh, and he sent and he called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. If we were to continue to go, and then he spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. And the butler eventually goes and he shares that Joseph, and so... Pharaoh calls Joseph, and in verse number 16, Joseph says this. Well, we'll go back to 15. I don't think it's on the screen. But in verse 15, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret. And Joseph says this in 16. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And so again, here we see Joseph yet again referring back to and presenting back to who God is. We see God in his life over and over. I know this morning that most everybody in here has probably heard the story of Joseph. And and I know that I'm just flying through some of these things for the sake of time. But time and time again, he was given power. He was given control. Israel begins to go through famine and Jacob begins to send his sons to Egypt. And and this is, I'm not going through each one of these chapters here, but starting there after verse chapter 41. But we see that as the famine comes and as all this stuff comes, Israel or Jacob is sending his sons back to Egypt. They, I've heard you guys have food and, and they didn't know that Joseph was going to be in charge and Joseph didn't know that his brothers were going to come, but they meet. And I'm going to get to a place this morning in the next couple moments, and I'm going to give you just a few points. But I want to say this as I go into this. Each and every one of us have the opportunity to make decisions. Again, as we talked last week, that our decisions affect lots and lots and lots of people. Last week we talked about the decision of Esther that affected 15 million Jews inside the Persian Empire. Think about today. Joseph had a decision to make, though he was negative, though multiple 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 things went against Joseph but yet every step along the way it said God was with him God was with him God was with him he found favor he found favor in all of these things and yet Joseph didn't realize at that time that Joseph would not just affect the children of Israel for then Joseph affected the earth all mankind that would come before or that would come after. 
Why? Because Joseph made a few right decisions, because he chose to follow God, because he didn't allow the bad things that took place to affect him and to to then react wrong. We sit here today, in part, why? Because Joseph chose to do the right thing. Joseph has impacted millions and billions of people by the decisions that he made. And so as we get into this this morning, I want to I want to preface all of these things and I, I nothing that I'm talking about this morning this isn't I'm not trying to just say hey we brush these things under the rug and we just don't deal with stuff and, and that's not the, the point this morning but the point this morning is this because somebody has chose to do wrong to me does not mean one that I take it out on you one that I seek revenge One that I have to quit. It doesn't mean all of those things. Does it hurt? Sure. In dealing with what we're dealing with today, I would guarantee that if when we get to heaven one day and you have a conversation with Joseph, I'm going to guarantee there was pain in Joseph's life. But he chose to make the decision that that thing wasn't going to dictate what he did over here. And so this morning, I believe, one, that it started with his obedience. The first, I guess you could say, point this morning, though we're deep into this, the first point would be this, that Joseph was obedient. It was his obedience. From the very beginning, it said that Joseph was obedient. Again, I read that in 37, that his father came to him, Hey, I need you to go. I need you to go follow after. And Joseph was obedient from the beginning. I can't imagine that he didn't know he was in a bad situation. The storyline of his family was a mess. His his half-brothers, everybody hated him. But yet he was willing to obey his father and go and search. He was obedient. In his obedience, we are able to read that the Lord was with Joseph on multiple occasions. I'm, I'm putting this down as the very first one. It's really kind of the foundational piece of the rest of all of these points. Joseph was obedient. The next thing, because of Joseph's obedience, the Lord was with him. We've already read several passages of Scripture where Joseph went to prison and it said what? The Lord was with him and they had found favor with him. Over and over and over throughout this, this story, throughout the, the life of Joseph, we see that Joseph was, or Joseph, the Lord was with him. We could have went into a greater storyline or maybe into a deeper uh, parts of this, but, but think about this. When he was thrown into a pit, yet then he was brought out of the pit, then he was sold into slavery, then he was sold into another uh, house, and he was sold into Potiphar's house, and he had what? He had favor. It said that he had favor, and Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph's favor. Potiphar's house. Potiphar became wealthy. Because why? Joseph had favor with God. Why did Joseph have favor with God? Because Joseph... and. Joseph was obedient. I just, I think there's so much to be said about the the point that Joseph was obedient. All throughout this, he was obedient. 
If we are obedient to the Lord, regardless of the circumstances and situations that we are put into, we will have the power of God, and we ourselves can hear those same words that the Lord is with Him. I don't know about you, but I, I, I recognize a few things. There are times when I've ran into people and I would say, that person loves the Lord. There's times when you're around somebody and you just know that that person loves God with all of his heart. Have you ever been around that person? Have you ever left and you've thought to yourself, wow, God was all over them. That's all that Joseph had. And that wasn't just something that Joseph had way back a couple thousand years ago dealing with the situation in Egypt. This is something that you and I can have every single day in the obedient walk that we have with God. As we grow in Christ, as we read our Bibles, as we pray, as we do these things and we are obedient to God, God wants to give us more and He will, he will give us more and He will give us more and he will, he will do all those things and we will see the favor of God in our lives. That doesn't mean... When I say give us more, that doesn't mean he's going to give you more money and that you're going to become rich and wealthy. That's not what I'm talking about. Here's what I want. I just want more of him. I want more of him. I don't want to be the guy that walks into the room and everyone's like, oh, my word. Just leave. I don't want that. I don't know if you love that. But I... I and I, I, don't, I hope this doesn't sound prideful, but I want to be the guy that when I walk out of the room, that people go, there was something different about that guy. Man, there was, there, there was as a believer, we would say the hand of God is on that guy. I, I want to be that guy. I hope you want to be that guy and that lady. And I don't say that in arrogance. I, I genuinely hope that because I grow in my walk with God and I'm obedient to Him, that the hand of God would be on me. Not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. And we look at this story and we think over and over and over. And because of his obedience, the hand of God was on him. And because the hand of God was on him, God revealed and showed the plan through Joseph. The next point is God's plan. In order to fulfill the plan for the nation of Israel, he had a plan for Joseph. And I kind of went through this at the beginning. And it all tied together. The plan was for his chosen people, for their survival. Their survival during that seven-year famine. Their survival uh, during that famine that, where they had no food. That then brought them to the place where God needed them. Where God kept them where people were brought together. God intended that the trials of this one very unlikely man would be for the good of his family and then the good of the nation that would come out of his family and through that nation, the good of the world. Joseph suffered. He suffered repeatedly in his life, but the Bible never tells us. It never says that it was because of sin. It never says because it was a punishment. It never says any of those things. And oftentimes we put that in there. Well, I'm going through this because of all this sin. It doesn't necessarily mean that. There are times. But here's why he suffered. He did suffer so that God could ultimately save sinners. There had to be a nation of Israel. So out of that nation could come the Messiah, who would be the only Savior the world would ever know. God had a plan. 
And in the midst of it, he didn't understand it. Joseph did not understand it. I guarantee you there was times in that pit that he was going, what in the world? I guarantee you when he was sent in prison, he was saying, God, why? What's going on? God had a plan. I'll ask you this and just take it personal and take it right to where you are this morning. Are you going through it? Are you asking God why? Why did they do this or why are they saying that or, or why? I haven't done anything. I didn't do anything to deserve the things that are taking place in my life. Can I inform you? Can I help you this morning and say that God has a plan? God has placed these things in your path for a reason. What now will we do about it? And the last point in wrapping this all up this morning is God's compassion. Really, I guess the title of this whole sermon is Joseph's Compassion. I'm going to wrap it up with this. All throughout the passages, and though we didn't read every single piece here, Joseph had compassion towards and on others. I imagine as Joseph left Potiphar's house and he was sent into prison, and they, I imagine there was a time in that prison state that Joseph could have said to all of those other people, that woman is wicked, that woman is nasty, we need to get rid of that lady. And he could have, he could have slammed her, he could have done a lot of different things, I would imagine. I would imagine, as we, we very well know, that Joseph could have done anything that he wanted as those brothers of his that had, had, had thrown him in the pit and sold him into slavery and had, had done all of those things to him as they were all coming to him and saying, hey, we need food, hey, we need this thing. And they didn't know who he was. I guarantee you, just as all of us could, he could have had the revenge that he may have at one time wanted. But Joseph had compassion. Genesis chapter 45 Starting in verse number 1. We'll read this. And then I'm going to wrap up this morning. But it says this in the first eight verses. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him. Again, this is after Joseph has sent all of his brothers. And he basically brought all of the brothers in. And, and there's a whole storyline in there. I would encourage you guys to read it. But he brings all of them in and, and he's came to a place and he, he says there in, verse 40, or in chapter 45 and verse 1, Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brothers. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into, into, sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years have been famine before, or been, hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. 
And God sent before me you to preserve you a posterity in the, the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Joseph, in this passage of Scripture, shows compassion. He had Compassion doesn't come anywhere outside of God. My earthly response is kill them. Our earthly response to somebody that throws us into a pit and somebody who sells us off and somebody who, who now I'm, I'm being put into prison because I'm being accused that I'm sleeping with some man's wife and, and all of these things, my earthly, our earthly response is this. I have got to seek revenge and I've got to do something because that person has wronged me. If we go back to the points, Joseph was obedient. If we were to go throughout the scripture and the passage of scripture here, Joseph did what? When Potiphar's wife came to him, Joseph didn't say, listen, if I do this, your husband Potiphar is going to be after me. No, he said, if I do this, I cannot do this because I cannot sin against God. He had a walk. He had a relationship. He had all of these things. And no, we don't read every little bit of that in the story. Joseph loved God. And we know that because God had favor on Joseph. And with that, Joseph showed and had compassion. And when his brothers stood before him, he didn't say, hey guys, listen, haha, I'm Joseph. He didn't say that. What does it say that he did? He screamed, hey, everybody out of this room, I just need these guys here. And then it says that he wept and he cried. And he didn't just weep and cry. He cried to the point that Potiphar and everybody outside heard him. He was broken. He loved these men that were standing in front of him. He showed them compassion. Today is with last week. I know the sermon is a little bit different in that it's, I guess, a history lesson in some regard. And I would strongly encourage you to read through uh, this whole story on your own and get a little more depth for yourself. But things will be done to us. There will be decisions that are made that will greatly affect you in a negative way. Let me ask you, will you quit? Will you press on? Will you hate? Will you be angry? Will you stop serving the Lord? What is it that you will do? How will you then treat that person? How will you treat other people that may know that person? Joseph had every right to be angry, to be bitter, to be harmful. He had every right to be upset. He had every right to kill his brothers. Yet he had compassion. He loved them. Why? Because he was obedient to his father. God was on him. He had the the Lord's power in his life. There was a plan and God used him to fulfill that plan. As we wrap up this morning, I'm going to go right to the very, very, very beginning that I started. Here are 11 grim faces staring down anxiously at the floor. Can you picture that? These brothers standing in a room, 
dad has just passed. They've buried him. Now it's just Joseph. And Joseph, at this point, he doesn't have to please dad anymore. The fear that came upon them of, man, dad is no longer there to protect us. And these men, I don't know if they were on their knees. I don't know if they were just standing here. But I know I've stood in an office before with a kid or a teenager in front of me that was in trouble. And they, they just kind of want to do this. Or they just look down. They kind of look up at you. Why? They know they've done wrong. And here's 11 grim faces staring down anxiously at the floor. All attention is focused on the man who is enthroned in front of them. They are huddled, these 11 are, before one of the most powerful rulers in the world. One who stands only behind Pharaoh in Egypt and he has the authority to execute them. He is dressed in fashion that would be fitting for one who had the position that he had. He is the prime minister of Egypt. He looks down on these humble Jewish herdsmen as they stood before him or stooped before him. He has had a long history with these men. It is a history of pain and suffering and rejection and the memories are vividly etched into his mind. They had wronged him, this prime minister in, this pa- in the past, greatly. They had done great damage to him from a human perspective and now the tables are turned and he has the power and the authority and the ability to enact severe retribution against them. They are, in fact, his brothers who had betrayed him and the prime minister of Egypt is none other than Joseph the one betrayed. And Joseph, in verse number 19 of chapter 50, comes up and he says, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to them, or to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones, And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. This morning, Joseph's compassion was real. This morning, Joseph's pain had to have been real. This morning, your pain, because somebody done wrong to you, has to be and is real. But let me ask you this. Yours may not be where you're standing in a room and a group of people are looking at you and they were the ones that done wrong. But let me ask you this, how will you respond? How do you respond today? Joseph stood there. And I don't know if Joseph was sitting. I don't know if Joseph was standing. I don't know if the men and the boy, those brothers were kneeling and bowed before him at his feet. And he, but I know this. Joseph wept. Joseph cried and he said, guys, don't fear. Hey, I don't hate you. I love you. Hey, there's nothing wrong going to be. God, God put me here for a reason. God put me here for a situation and that situation is to save you. That situation isn't just to save you, but to save your families and to save a nation of people. And I'm here and I love you. Church, You're going to go through it. Someone's going to do you wrong. You're looking at a man that people have done wrong to. You look in the mirror and somebody's done wrong to you. You look at the guy beside you, the lady beside you, and someone's done them wrong. How 
though, will you react? Is the hand of God on you and that reaction will be that of God just taking you from one place to the next and having favor in your life, though it may not be what you've expected? Or is it going to be that of, I'm turning my back and God, I I hate you. God, why did you allow that to happen to me? Are you going to serve people? Are you going to enslave people because somebody done you wrong? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.